Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bernie's Bums. This week, opening day week, I'm excited. Ryan, it, he's hanging in there. You can tell what's going on. Yeah, we're finally back. Um, it was my fault. I'll take the blame on this one. We were supposed to record last week, but last Monday I got diagnosed for the old COVID-19. Um, <laughs> the old COVID. <laughs> the old COVID, you know. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what that is by now, but um, as of right now, it is, what, March 29th. I've had COVID for about a week now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I lost my sense of smell, so I, when I was testing it, I put a stick of deodorant up my nose. Nothing. Couldn't smell it. Um, I can still taste, which is good. I was worried about that. I, I at least wanted to taste, but... So far, I'm a week into quarantine. I still got a week to go, but hey, we're back. We're back, better than ever. Well, it's opening week, man. I'm excited. I'm getting ready. It's crazy because probably around this time last year is when we started the podcast, and we were in quarantine, and now one of us is back in it. <laughs> it's like a whole time loop. And as surprise to everyone, it's not me. I feel like if you would have said that a year ago, it, like jokes would have been, it would have been me, but it right, wasn't. Right, like which one of us was going to get COVID? I've been fine. Most likely me, but I'm cool. Yeah. So when, when I got it. tested, I mean, I'm not trying to joke around about COVID, but thankfully I am okay. I mean, I had felt like a little bit of a sinus infection for a couple days. I lost my smell and that was about it for me. But again... Who's to say that the next person that gets sick might not be more sick, so. Yeah, you never know. Just trying to do my part, slow the spread after I get it. Just trying to stay in my house. I've been watching a lot of movies. Um, start What's your favorite one so far? That I've watched. Why don't we get That I've watched on quarantine? Yeah. Like, what's been keeping um, you sane? I watched the Snyder Cut Justice League, if you know what that is. I have no idea what that is. All right, well. For the comic book movie fans out there, they probably know what I'm talking about. So I watched Snyder Cut, and then I've also watched all the Godzilla movies <laughs> and King Kong movies. Wow, you've really uh, yeah. had a wide variety. Yeah, in two days, Kong vs. Godzilla comes out, so I'm kind of refresh on my history there. Yep, whatever that means, sure. And I've been start. I bought... FIFA 21 for PlayStation. Um, so I'm starting to get into soccer a little bit. It's kind of a fun sport to watch. It's, it's pretty calming to have on the TV. It's like baseball in that sense. No. <laughs> it is. Soccer is so boring. First of all, anytime someone gets like tapped on the shoulder, they fall over and act as though they've just had some severe injury. So what I'm going to say about that is I also watch the NBA. So... It's the same. Right. Thing. I can't complain yeah. about soccer players doing it if I watch the NBA. Um, the only thing I will give to soccer players is usually when they're running and they fall, they're running as fast as they can go. So in sense, your balance is going to be a little off. True, true. Also, another thing I don't get about soccer. Why are you counting up? Like, why does the clock go up? Why can't we go down? Well, it confuses me. it's. I'm sure it starts from because the sports is old as time. So I'm sure it's there's some history there. But, you know, obviously the clock never stops, which is cool about soccer. There's no commercials ever. Um, yeah, that's But the true. clock never stops. So I think by going up, they're able to, you know, when a guy scores a goal, they celebrate for a minute or two. By going up in the clock, they can add two minutes easy, I don't know, easier. I don't know. Either way. Can we get to baseball? I don't know what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, let's talk. Let's, hey, we just wanted to see what I was doing on quarantine, but now... Yeah, very true. Opening very days true. in, what, four days? Yeah, Thursday. This is Monday. Four days yep, away. Perfect time to re release a pod. Exactly. Just some quick news. Get everybody updated. I'm sure y'all know this, but the Brewers are currently in Texas. We played our last Cactus League game on Sunday. We're in Texas now to play two exhibition games against the Rangers before we come back to Milwaukee on Wednesday. They'll have an optional practice, and then Thursday's obviously the big day. 
we went 13 and 11 in Cactus League play. I don't really take much into account the record. I just more so focus on performance. Um, we had limited to no injuries this year, which was huge. And there will be the extra alternate training site in Appleton until the start of the minor league season. So it'll kind of be like what the taxi squad was last year. And they'll be down in Appleton playing simulated games. And then once their season starts, that'll kind of be taken away. So let's get into roster predictions because this is the part that is fun to talk about. And hopefully we're right. Yeah, a lot of it, for the most part, we already know, like, the uh, rotation had officially kind of been announced. Right. What? And I'm sorry, my computer is freaking out on me. Okay, we're good. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> good, thanks for yeah, that update. It was, yeah, like, the security place was kind of, like, freaking out. Who knows, could have a virus. We'll see later. Classic. That's another. T- yep. Remind anyway. me later. <laughs> that setting. <laughs> Remind me later. Tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good. Anyways, anyway. so like you said, the projected starting rotation has come out in, I don't know, did any moves surprise you? Um, I think, well, I'll just say it. So it's Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, in order, by the way. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Adrian Hauser, Brett Anderson, and Freddie Peralta. I think from the beginning of spring training, we knew who was going to be the first three it was just dependent on who was going to fill the bottom two spots. And as spring training kind of progressed, I'm not shocked that Brett Anderson and Freddie Peralta are the two that filled it. I think that was just the biggest question mark going into Cactus League. Right. So kind of starting the season with the same rotation they ended with last season, correct? Um... Kind Minus of. Minus the Brett Anderson spot starts in between injuries. and Yeah, and Freddie Peralta, they kind of like piggybacked him. So it's, yeah, it's kind of the same idea that we had last year. Either way, um, I would say the big move is Josh Lindblom on opening day will be in the bullpen. But that's not to say he's not going to get, I would say, probably about 10 starts this season anyways. Right, and it and especially this year, there's been a lot of talks about how teams are going to operate their pitching just going from 60 games to 162. Obviously, that's quite a big jump. So we are going to need, you know, Josh Lindblom to start games. You know, Brent Suter will probably start a couple. It will kind of be, in a way, kind of an interchanging rotation, I think, whether it's five starters, six starters, you know, who's filling in those bottom spots. I think there will be a lot of moving, unlike a typical year, just because of that big jump in games and innings. So... You know how you were just talking about you focus on performances more so than team record. Two pitchers, yes. Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, in spring have looked like they haven't lost a step. Oh my Corbin Burns especially. I think I think I was pretty confident in Brandon that, you know, he was gonna continue on what he's done the right. last couple of his years. His biggest thing I was a little worried. His his yeah. biggest thing is just staying on the field. Exactly. I was a little worried about Corbin. I didn't know, you know, obviously he ended last year with the injury. He was like amazing last year towards the end of the season. So I didn't know if there'd be maybe a step down, but there's absolutely no sign of that. Like he was always on every start. He had control of everything. Everything was breaking. Like both pitchers looked very good. Well, and just yesterday, I think it was kind of his... Uh, you know, see where you're at before opening day start. Um, I think right. he went five innings, gave up one run, and struck out eight or nine. So it's looking like last year's Corbin Burns was not a fluke, which is amazing to see because I think this season really will fall on Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns being consistent. Because if those guys aren't good, I think the Brewers can really struggle because they're counting on those two to, you know, come in every, you know, every time it's their turn to start to come in and produce well. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, offense aside, I think what you're counting on most in this team is those top two guys to to stay healthy, stay consistent. Because. And, you know, go five to six innings every start. Right, because guys like Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser, Brett Anderson, those guys can be very good at times, but 
the consistency isn't always there. So if you can get, you know, two good starts out of Woodruff and Burns, and then, you know, you get a good Freddie Peralta start and a bad Brett Anderson start, you're still in a pretty good spot there. You know, three out of four pitchers are playing well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Also, I know we're not talking about relievers, but in spring training, Evan Williams. Have you seen... He's still a stud. I don't know. Can, will anybody oh, hit him this year? I don't think so. I don't know. Do you follow, like, Pitching Ninja and stuff? Um, I see his posts on Twitter. I don't follow him, though. He would have videos, like, consistently. I think Devin Williams was probably the most seen pitcher on his account. Like... This stuff is just nasty. If you haven't seen slow mo videos of Devin Williams pitches, specifically his curve or not curveball, uh, his changeup, I highly suggest go watching them. It is crazy, and it further will show you why Devin Williams is incredibly unhittable, and that I think he'll stay unhittable for quite a while. Well, because unlike say Josh Hader, Devin Williams has two elite pitches that changeup. It's probably the best changeup in all of baseball, and he still throws a fastball high 90s. And right. that changeup moves like either a curveball, depending on how he throws it, a sinker. It's just it's crazy what that pitch can do. Yeah, like the movement on it, I don't understand how like gravity works with it. Like it's crazy. Anyways, should we go into reliever since we're kind of talking about Devin Williams? Yeah, I think. When I was putting this together, I put it off of something, you know, obviously there's your ones that are going to be in the in the bullpen. And then, you know, there was a couple question marks that I filled in with what I felt was going to happen. It still could change, but what I have or what we have kind of put down is Josh Hader, obviously, Devin Williams, Brent Suter, Ray Black, Eric Yardley, Josh Lindblom, and Drew Rasmussen. And I don't know what, like, your thoughts are on it. Um, yeah, what are you thinking about well, it? I think the outside guy looking in right now is Drew Rasmussen. Um, I think he can help us, but he still does seem like that fringe guy. Um, Ray Black. Yeah. You know, he's got electric stuff. We love watching him pitch. It's just him finding the zone consistently. Um, yeah. Other than that, you know, guys like JP Firesim, Bobby Wall, Justin Topa, those three are guys to me that they'll probably all make appearances this season, but I can't see them being on the roster and being counted on night in and night out. Yeah. I think when you look at our bullpen, the majority of them are, you know, kind of studs and guys that you're going to depend on. I think your Ray Blacks, your Drew Rasmussen's, your JB, JP Fireheisen's, Bobby Wallace and Justin Topa's are kind of going to be those interchangeable guys, depending on, you know, who's looking really good on the mound right now, who is struggling, who can we count on in specific games. I think, I know Counts has talked about that we're probably going to go through 30-plus pitchers this year just with how everything's looking that it's going to play out. So I think every single one of these guys is going to make an appearance and are going to be an important part of the team. It's just who's going to start out on the roster and who's going to start out in triple play or the alternate site. Josh Lindblom is also an interesting one to look at coming out of the bullpen. I think he'll be more used as a piggyback start guy. Um, I don't, I, I really don't see him coming in, you know, like late games, like seventh, eighth inning. I think those spots are more for the Brent Suiters and the Eric Yardleys. Um, but I'm yeah. just interested to see how the Brewers will use Lindblom this year. I think it will be kind of... It kind of is almost a safety net, like what you were talking about with the piggyback starts, where if Hauser, Anderson, or Peralta, you know, they're all known where they can have really, really good starts, or like what you said earlier, they can, you know, have bad starts. And I think guys like him are kind of that safety net where it's like, okay, if Freddie can only go, you know, 2.2 innings today, you do have a guy who can maybe stretch it out so your bullpen isn't in full effect until the fifth inning. So I think he is kind of that safety net for Council to be able to play around with, you know, the starters. And therefore, you know, for those guys too, it's not always pressure that I have to pitch six innings because they know in reality that that's not their strong suit. Right. 
And then I also saw that the Brewers, I saw a report. I don't know how true it is because it is Craig Council, but I saw a report that Josh Hader is going to be used more as a traditional closer this year. Yeah, that's been, I think Council kind of talked about it, I want to say maybe last week. And, you know, I feel like traditional reliever or closer is kind of a relative term. I think for us, it's like, yeah, he will be the predominant, you know, ninth inning pitcher. He will get, you know, four out saves. There will be those times. But I think what, you know, that's kind of meaning is you won't see him earlier than the eighth or seventh inning. I think he will be the guy who's going to come in consistently at the ninth. See, I think they want to do that. Use him more as a ninth inning guy just because, you know, there are games, there have been games in the past where he does like a five out, you know, a five out save. And then the next night you can't use him at all. You know, so I think it's just them trying to get him on the field more. And I just thought of this question too. If Josh Hader has another, say, lights out season like he has the past three, does that make him probably the best reliever the Brewers have ever had? At least up there? Yeah. Oh my yeah, I think especially in recent history. I think for sure he's been one of the most dominant relievers the game has seen in the last decade or two. Like, he he is, you know, like, there's just no words to describe, like, how reliable he is, how consistent he is, and, like, his stuff is good. And he's been working on this slider a lot, and that's looked really good this spring, along with the changeup that he wants to incorporate, you know, to kind of keep hitters on their toes. And I think when all of that's working together – he is one of the best that the game has ever seen within the last decade. It is crazy to me that it's not talked about more that in the past three seasons, the Brewers have had three reliever of the years. I know. I feel like every Brewer fan is like, yeah, that's kind of what we do. But like when you sit back and you look at it, it's like, that's impressive. And these are all young guys that we've developed. I think it's it's a it's a total testament to our, you know, minor league coaches and everything that they go through because these guys, you know, have been, you look at 2018, you know, these are the guys that put you in the playoffs. This is the difference from a fringe playoff team to a team that is for sure going to go in the playoffs and make moves. Right. So moving on to the infield, um, I'll just say the projected, I'll say projected starters. And then, you know, obviously you time in. So first base. Yeah is Keston Hira. That's our first baseman. I think he's going to play a lot. As Council came out yesterday when Daniel Vogelbach made the roster, he basically said Vogelbach's the pinch hit guy. He's a big power bat off right. the bench. He's not going to play that much first base. I think Keston Hira, if he stays healthy, he's looking at you know 140 games played at first base this year. Um, obviously, yep. Daniel Vogelbach has the backup. Uh, second base, that's Fulton Wong's position. He's a gold glover. Uh, he looked great in spring training. He's got a lot of pop out of that leadoff spot. I just, I I still, now watching it in action and seeing Keston Hira play first base, it makes me love the Colton Wong signing even more. Um, at shortstop, this one's tough to predict. I think opening day, Orlando Arcia will be the guy. But there's a lot of things out there that Luis Urias might be the shortstop for the majority of the season. We'll see how that plays out. Um, opening day, Travis Shaw, I think, will be our third baseman. I also, I would also like to see Luis Urias play that position, but that kind of is what our infield's looking like this year. Yeah, and then with the addition of Daniel Robertson, I think, and as much as people don't like to hear it, there will not be a set infield every single game. There's not going to be the set infield that's going to go out, you know, 150 games out of the year. There is going to be a lot of movement from day to day, depending on the opposing pitcher you're facing, depending on which guy's hot and which guy's not. I think that people need to accept that and that it's not going to be traditional and just kind of go with it because it is kind of what it's looked like it's going to be. Right. And like we said, our middle infield now with, Keston, uh, with Colton Wong and Orlando Arcia is probably one of the best middle infields defensively in the game. 
Exactly. And I've said before, too, it gives you so many options. You know, when you're talking about shifting and everything, we really do play positionless baseball in Milwaukee where, you know, your second baseman isn't going to be in your prototypical second baseman spot every single at bat of the game. You know, they're going to move around and it gives you so many so much more freedom especially if you're looking at an infield, you know, one day if Colton Wong, Luis Arias, and Orlando Arcia are all playing in the field, I think that gives you so many cool options to be able to shift. And it's going to be very, very hard to get a ball out of the infield this year. And it's something that's really exciting. Right. And then going behind the ditch, um, I think our catchers are were pretty easily predicted in, in Omar Narvaez and Manny Pina. Will be our guys. I think Narvaez is the starter, but we'll see because he struggled last year. He had a good spring training, but Manny Pena is always that guy that's just right behind him, ready to play. He's always ready. Um, he's been ready for what the last seven years he's been on the Brewers. So, yeah, longest tenured Brewer. Just to keep everybody reminded of that fact. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think when you look at our infield as a whole, there's a lot of options, a lot of opportunities. Um, I kind of like the idea that we have multiple guys that can play different positions because it does give us that opportunity to play the hot guy, play the hot bat. Right. And one thing, you know, talking about defense, and that's something the Brewers talked about that they really want to do improve on, is the run prevention. I'm going to pose a question to you that was asked to me a couple days ago. Do you think that with the infield that we have now this year and the pitching that we have, this year poses the best possibility of having a Brewers no hit. Oh, Brewers no hit. It's funny when you talk about, you know, the defense, obviously our defense is greatly improved from years prior. Um, The no hitter. I don't know because we don't have really any guys that can go those complete games. Like we, you just don't see it out of the Brewers. The only guy I could possibly think of that could get close to it would be Corbin Burns. But also with guys like Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff, who would also have a chance, those are guys that work deep into counts. They strike a lot of guys out, but after five or six innings, they'll be at 100 pitches. So Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I also believe that no hitter, it just comes with luck. It doesn't really matter who's pitching. It doesn't matter the defense. But yeah, like, you know, our best two pitchers, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, they're guys that strike out a lot of people. Um, A lot of times with no hitters, not always, but you'll see it's usually pitchers that pitch to contact. Um, You know, they'll strrike out six, seven guys, but Woodruff and Corbin Burns will have 10 strikeouts after six innings. That kind of hurts their pitch. Right. So what I'm hearing from you then is that the pitcher most likely to get it is Brett Anderson, which... (laughs) Uh, yes wouldn't that be crazy Uh, 2021 brett anderson pitches the first no hitter in brewers history since like the 80s yeah who was it that pitched it in the 80s i can't remember his name um i know bill schroeder caught it uh he he was like the stud of the 80s yeah i'm gonna get completely ripped on by my dad after he listens to this that i didn't know all right you look that up and i'll I'll talk about our outfielders I like that. So I think idea. the projected outfielders is left field. Uh, Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich plays left field or right field? Uh, both. They've been putting him in left field last year. And I figured out who the no hitter was. Who? I knew this. It's so stupid that I didn't figure this out earlier. Nope. In 1987, April 15th. Juan Nieves. Juan Nieves. I was just about to say Nieves. But anyways, going back to the outfield, um, it just confused me because spring training, I think every outfielder besides Lorenzo Cain has played every position. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think left field, it'll start with Garcia. I think Garcia will be our left fielder. Center. Whoa, 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 whoa. I disagree. Oh, you think Yelich? I think Yelich will be in left field because that's what he played primarily last year. And when talking about Jackie Bradley Jr., which I know I'm jumping the gun on this one, he played right field over left field in spring and in other games. But he's games. also played left field in spring. 
Yeah, but this year he played right, is what I'm saying. Ah, okay. All right, so left field, Christian Yelich, center. Um, opening day, it'll be interesting to see who starts because they're still trying to bring Lorenzo Cain back slowly. Um, I think he will start opening day, but Jackie Bradley Jr., it's going to be a, a classic platoon situation for those two. Um, I think we're going to see Jackie Bradley Jr. a lot this season, especially now that we're seeing the Brewers are throwing them on the corners as well. And then right field, obviously, Garcia or Yelich, depending on where they're going to play Jackie Bradley Jr. for that game. Yeah, and I think one thing to note, too, about opening day, I think the odds are in Lorenzo Cain's favor just because there has been talks that Bradley won't be able to play opening day. Um, he has been dealing with, I think it's an elbow, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but he does have kind of a little bit of an injury, nothing too serious, but something that they're definitely taking slowly just because he did come in a little bit late to camp, and they just want to make sure, obviously, that he's completely ready before we throw him out for a 130-plus game season. Right, but those are our four main guys. Like I said, I think you're going to see Bradley Jr. a lot this season. I think Kane... You know, he's a little bit older. I think they're going to be more cautious with how they use him. Garcia, if his bat's not heating up, they're not going to keep him in the lineup over a better defensive player like Bradley. Um, but it is fun to see what they can do with that outfield because I think it is one of the stronger outfields in the National League, at least, especially the NL Central. Yeah, exactly. And I have one thing to note here. Um, everybody we have talked about, adds up to 25 men on the roster this year it is 26 so I think where that last spot is going to fill up is either we're going to see McKinney make the opening day roster which he's had a fantastic spring definitely has earned it the only thing is he doesn't have any options left so it does leave a little bit of constricting there otherwise we would add an eighth person to the bullpen However, I think McKinney is the most likely just because we do have a lot of off days in April, so it does allow for additional uh, field players because you don't you aren't going to need those I pitchers. I think we're I think we're for sure going to have McKinney on the opening day roster. I think it also helps that he can play first base. Um, it gives a yeah. little bit more versatility there because Vogelbach is even in like spot starts at first base. He is not the guy that you want playing that position. Um, nothing against Vogelbach. We love him. You know, Babe Ruth last season, he was electric. <laughs> Babe Vogelbach. Yeah, Babe Vogelbach, he was electric. He looked even more juiced this year. So, hey, helps him hit 40 home runs. I don't care what he's taking. <laughs> but, yeah, McKinney, I think, will get that last roster spot. And like you said, he earned it. He probably had the best spring out of everybody this season. Yeah, I think if you, and we'll talk about this in just a couple of seconds, but I think if you're looking at guys who earned a roster spot, who earned, you know, playing time for the Brewers this year, I think you look at two guys. You're looking at Daniel Robertson and you're looking at McKinney. And I think those are the two guys that came in as very large question marks, um, especially once JBJ was signed. You know, that didn't look good for those extra outfielders, but those guys you know, they grinded every day and they earned their at-bats. And overall, it's looking like they earned a spot on the opening day roster. Yeah, that Daniel Robertson, that is a prototypical brewer if I've ever seen him. <laughs> yeah, like, that's when exactly they signed that's a perfect him way to put it. he was on the fringe for the roster, there's no way that guy wasn't making the roster. Yeah, um, no, that's exactly He perfect. will be the guy. I think brewer fans will love him. I do. He just feels like a, yeah. a brewer. He feels like a guy that'll play a lot of positions. He just... You know, almost a Craig Council type. The way he swings the bat, the yeah. way he plays. Uh-huh. little Craig Council. A little Craig Council reference there. Never heard anybody. It'll be interesting to see what McKinney can do. I don't think he'll get a lot of playing time, considering we do have Jackie Bradley Jr. But, I mean, McKinney's a former first overall pick, so he's a guy that, you know, used to have potential. Um, he's got power. Never do wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of breakout springs, earning, you know, starts, earning at-bats, I want to kind of go over the guys that 
you know, when watching spring training games where you looked at them play and you were like, wow, they had a great spring. And so I think to start off this one, my, oh, I don't know if I want to say my favorite, but probably one of the guys who I looked forward to watching the most was Freddie Peralta. Um, I'll give you the line. Normally, I don't like the ERA and the whip, but, you know, with spring training, they don't give me many numbers to work with. So in four games, a 3.95 ERA, 13.2 innings pitched, 23 strikeouts, and a 1.24 whip. Although the numbers aren't extremely good, I think the biggest thing that he had this year is he has a new slider that, again, if you haven't seen it in slow-mo, please go watch it because it is incredible. And top it off with, you know, that little bit of a change-up pitch that he throws and then his fastball, he seemed to have way more control on the mound Everything looked really, really good. You know, wasn't walking as many guys as he has in the past and just had a really good spring. I definitely look forward to watching him in season. Oh, yeah. He's striking dudes out. That's what he does. I've always been a big fan of Freddie Peralta. I love watching him pitch. So, I yeah, like you said, the ERA number to me doesn't matter, especially in spring training. But what does matter is watching his pitches work and seeing if they're effective. And, you know, when he throws 23 strikeouts in – just about 14 innings. That means something's working. Exactly. The next guy, uh, this is one of your guys, so I'll let you talk about him. Yeah, do you want to do one of your guys maybe, and then we'll we'll, we'll do a little back and forth. Well, we already talked about him, but Corbin Burns um, obviously has been electric again this spring training. Um, again, just reiterating, excited to see that last year probably wasn't a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think one thing to note too, uh, one thing to add on to that is in the past when he has struggled, he seemed to have kind of lose control where, you know, the pitches where he was trying to aim too much and then his pitches were all over the place. They were down the middle of the plate. But every start that he had in spring training, he showed really good control, was able to get out of the jams that he may have gotten into. And yeah, exactly what you said. Really excited to see him coming in this year. Um, And then one of my guys, one of my favorite guys, I am a little bit partial to him, but Luis Arias, despite, you know, dealing with an injury at the beginning of the season and dealing with injuries last year, really had a good spring. Again, not big on these generic numbers, but in 32 at-bats, 281 batting average, a home run, three RBIs, and a .879 OPS. Um, One big thing that I saw with him is his power is really starting to show through. He really made consistent, solid contact and also posted an on-base percentage of 410, which is pretty impressive. Um, I just really like to see his at-bats. Everything was quality. He knew what was a strike and what wasn't a strike. Strikeout numbers were fairly low. Um, again, just another guy I'm really excited to see at-bats and to just to see him kind of grow and take that jump. Um, another guy that played well, um, Daniel Robertson. Again, the prototypical brewer. Um, in 31 at-bats, he had a 794 OPS with an on-base percentage of 439. He showed that he belongs on this roster. He plays good defense. He's a versatile player, and he's a smart player. He can get on base, and for a guy that's not going to play every day, that can play multiple positions, you don't need him to be the best hitter on the team. You just need him to be able to do a few things right, which I think for Robertson – making contact and just getting on base any way you can is his specialty. Yeah, and moving along, you got to talk about the longest tenured brewer on the team. Manny Pena came to spring training this year and showed up. My Of course Lanta, he did. Of course, right, of course, of course he it, did. It, it, um, he can't make it easy. Narvaez right. also had a good spring, but Manny Pena's got to make it difficult. Oh yeah, I mean, in twenty-three at bats, I know I don't. I know I say that batting average doesn't count, but when you're posting this high of a batting average, you're doing something right. A three ninety-one batting average, two home runs, five RBIs, and a one point five eight zero, or one point one point one five eight OPS. Sorry, um, for spring training. I, I I just put just Manny being Manny, you know, just making it hard, just doing his thing. 
honestly, it, probably one of the best backup catchers in the game. Yeah, easily. Right? Like, as consistent as he is as a backup is remarkable of what he is as a professional. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, completely Reminds agree. me a lot of, like, and he's just, back in the day when we had Manny Machado. You know, we yeah. get rid of him. Or was it Ma- not Manny Machado? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was our backup behind Luke Roy. Manny Machado. No. Nope, you're uh, Martin Maldonado. <laughs> I say you Manny, well, you're like, no, that sounds right. No, Manny Machado. Why, I knew exactly what, yeah, yeah. I knew what you were talking about, though. That plays for the Padres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't like him. I don't like him. Eminem. Come on. I got COVID brain. How did... COVID brain. How did we... Like, how did you say that? And me was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, behind Luke Ray. You I was talking about. But, uh, you know, Manny Pena reminds me of uh, Martin Maldonado, who turned out to be a great, long-tenured backup in the league. Manny Pena's the same type. I would hate to ever see him on a different team. I think our team is better with Manny Pena and... You know, like you said, he's not going to make the starting thing easy for Narvaez. Um, but Narvaez also, in his defense, had a good spring. You know, he had three home runs, had six RBIs, a 1.098 OPS, and also played great defense, which has always been his knock. So if he's playing great defense, again, that makes that decision on who's starting catching even more difficult. Yeah, and lastly, going off, of kind of free agent signings of 2020. Avisil Garcia, you know, last year was so close, I think, to breaking out and just never was able to get that one at bat to put him over. But really had a good spring, 45 at bats, um, a 311 average, four home runs, 11 RBIs, a 940 OPS. Just really showed that power and consistency that he wasn't able to last year. And I think, you know, talking with both, Garcia and Narvaez I think we will see this year the players that we were promised going into last year and I'm definitely excited to see both of those guys take the I field. I agree and I also think 162 game season will actually help them um, because yeah. like you said Garcia all last year looked like he was just one at bed away from you know kind of breaking out in 162 games there's a lot more ups and downs right like last year if you weren't performing well, you just weren't playing well at all because there's only 60 games. You had no room to find it. Um, you know, in 162 games, the Brewers are paying Garcia a lot of money. They're going to give him a shot. And he's a exactly. former all-star. Like, he's got talent. He's just got to, you know, be consistent. Yeah, and I think, you know, just throwing out some other guys to mention, Drew Rasmussen, Ethan Small, Aaron Ashby, Tyrone Taylor – Devin Williams, and then to throw in, like, Christian Yelich and kind of all your gimmies. Also had really good springs. Um, and definitely just excited, especially from a young pitching perspective, to see how those guys perform and kind of their road to the majors will be super oh, exciting this year. Her first-round pick from last year, Garrett Mitchell. Oh, he, how could I forget? Great. My- <laughs> I, you know, that's my future Mike Trout. I, I will die for this guy already. <laughs> I was, like... There were times where, like, when the games weren't televised and, like, I just get a notification on my phone where, like, oh, Garrett Mitchell tripled. It's like, of course he did. Why would he not? He is so fast. He's got power. Good defender. He plays center field. I I wish. I just want him on the team now. Like, why do we? My prediction. Why do we need? No offense. I think McKinney will actually help us this year. (laughs) But why why can't we just have Garrett Mitchell (laughs) on the team instead? Um, because it doesn't make any sense and it's very stupid. I think my prediction, the soonest he will come up will be all-star break of 2022. He needs to learn how to be a major league player. Oh, he needs to learn. here with your old school. He needs to learn how to play 100 games in a season. He's never done All that right. before in his life. Put him in there. He Pinch needs. Hitter. Oh, God, no. He needs, he needs to, you know, he needs to develop. And it'll be quick. It'll be a Keston Hira kind of, you know move you through along um but he definitely needs going, a full year in the he's minors going to dominate the minors this year yeah he'll probably start off i think in low a for like maybe a month move up to high a and we'll probably if i had any guess on it probably end the season in double a um and then 
you know, next year he'll be up by the All-Star break, I think. Right, yeah, I agree. Maybe he's going to get, like, 10 games in low A, 10 games in, you know, high A, and then he's going to finish the year in double A. I don't know, maybe sniff a little triple A, probably not, but just with how the Brewers are. I mean, the Brewers like to take it slow. Right, and I think it's smart that way. You know, playing college, you know, you don't really play – that many games compared to a major league season. So it's just learning those routines and learning how to take care of yourself and stuff that is more important. Obviously, he has the talent to play at the major league level right now. He just doesn't have that major league mindset yet, and that does come with a little bit of time. So we'll see him soon he enough. He fun to watch, though. Super fun to watch. All right. Um, just oh, some yeah, go ahead, opening day questions. Opening day questions. We already talked about this, but... I guess you already stated that you wanted Travis Shaw starting at third opening day, right? I don't think I want him to start, but I think that's who's going to start. I would would rather see Luis Urias start at third base while Orlando Arcia starts at short. Because I think think Urias is our player of the future. I think he's one of our future guys. Travis Shaw, obviously, he's signed on as a one-and-done kind of guy this year. Um and may I just add, I never thought I would say again in my life that Travis Shaw would be, again, the opening day third baseman <sighs> so for the Brewers. I, I for sure thought that train was completely gone. So I like Travis Shaw. I like, you know, the type of personality he brings to the team. I like what I see of him as a person. But trying to stay away from the hype right now, because obviously a lot of people love Travis Shaw. But I'm, I'm trying yeah. to stay away and keep my expectations low. Because I really don't see him performing all that well this year. Yeah, I think I agree with you, except I'm going to switch it. I think, if anything, it would be Orlando Arce at third and Luis Arias at short. No I think. way. Yeah, well, Luis Arias only played short this spring. Arce saw, saw at bats at third base more than he saw at short. So I think if there's any way that they're leaning is that Orlando Arcia at third base and Luis Arias at short. Now, again, it really doesn't matter because they're not going to be in that specific position for much of the game. Right. So at this point, it's just, you know, a position to put on the lineup card. The thing that's tough about Shaw, you know, obviously being our starting third baseman is last year, his, if you want to call it a breakout season for Toronto, in 50 games, he had an on-base percentage of 306. That's not elite. That's not a good on-base percentage. His OPS plus was 96. 100 is about average. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I get why people like Travis Shaw. I get why the Brewers brought him in. You know, they needed a third baseman. He obviously fills that spot. Um, defensively, he's average. He's not going to lose you games at third base, but... I would be shocked if he is, you know, towards the end of the season, still our starting baseman. No, I completely agree with everything that you said. And I think that goes into, you know, who's starting at short. I think Arcia will get the starting nod. Um, I think just because he's been on the team longer and, you know, they're both going to get their time between him and Arias. But I think just as kind of a veteran thing, I think he'll get the nod. But I could see it going either way. And then just a random quick fun one for the hell of it. How many innings does Brandon pitch opening day? All right. So uh, history shows that Brandon Woodruff does not pitch very deep in the games. Um, that's not really his thing. He's more of like what I would say six inning type of guy, uh, you know, five, six innings. I could see him going about, I guess, four and two thirds. Okay. I just... I had maybe... I just don't see... I had maybe like five and a third, five and two thirds. I'm kind of around there. So I think four and two thirds, to me, I don't think the Brewers are going to leave Woodruff out there long. I think he's going to get about 90 pitches, 80 to 90 pitches. With as many players that we have in the bullpen, as many guys that can pitch extra, you know, two innings in the bullpen... There's no reason to leave Woodruff in the game, especially his first start of the season. I think he's going to perform well. I think, you know, we're going to get four and two-thirds. I think, you know, as Brandon Woodruff, you know, we're going to get two runs or less that he's going to give up. He's going to strike out like seven, seven or eight people in the four and two-thirds. But 
I just feel like his pitch count is going to go up because I see him striking some guys out, and that's going to you know take him out earlier in the game. No, I really like the thought process that you have going into it where let's not push it. You know, he's going to have 25-plus starts this year. You might as well, especially with the bullpen, you know, take it slow, take it as he needs it, and well, we'll see what happens. he's a guy, like, let's not forget, he's a guy that's never made more than 22 starts in a season. So yeah, that's if very he true. doesn't get injured, right, which obviously we don't want him to get injured, you you know, in 162 games, your aces usually pitch, what, 32 to 35 games? Yeah, something around there. That's what they want out of him this season. So for the first start of the year, I just don't see him. You know, first two, three starts of the year, I don't see them, you know, pushing him along too deep into games. Yeah, I completely agree. I really like that thought process going Thank into you. it. You're welcome. I came yes. to play. I came, COVID brain didn't get you I, I on that one. I came to play today. You really did. Do you have – so this is our last episode before opening day. Do you have any predictions for, you know, opening day and how that's going to go? I'd like to think we're going to win. Do you know who's on the mound for the Twins? I have no idea. Um, I, I'll look it up. I'll look up Twins because I don't. I mean, maybe we should know this, but we probably I don't should. Know. Do but the twins? we're worried about the Brewers. We're a Brewer podcast. We're not a Twins podcast. That's not even telling me on Google. If Google doesn't know, how's anybody gonna know? Exactly. Does it say like on the probable pitchers thing? I'm getting there. I'm. It's uh, okay. Here we go. Uh, nothing. Really? Yeah, Google. It's it's not ready for this yet. Oh, I got it. My Ada. Oh. Oh, good thing you got it. Yeah, it was just on the app. I just looked at opening day. That's a good picture, though. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think if anything, I agree with what you said about Brandon. You know, he's going to give up two or two runs or less. Um, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm really feeling like there's going to be a lot of home runs this year. That's another thing we didn't talk about. But the amount of home runs we hit this spring training oh, I- <laughs> was like. Was one of the most in the entire league, I think. Yeah. We were tied the last I knew with the Royals at 38. Um, and that was maybe like a week and a half ago. And we've definitely hit some more well, since. We, um, the thing is, we have we have guys that can hit almost everybody in our starting lineup. And even our some most of our backups are guys that can hit at least 15 to 20 home runs in a season. I mean, even if you look at like our lower power guys like Orlando Arcia. He can hit 15 in a year. You know, Colton Wong. Maybe a bit of a maybe a bit of a stretch for him, but well, I'll go I'm with it. I'm saying like 162 games. If you have the guy play all 162. Okay, yeah. From that aspect, yes. I mean, the most he ever hit in a season was 15. So. Did he really hit 15? Yeah, he hit 15 twice once in or twice in 2017 and 2019. I thought all this long his highest was like around 13. No. His home run totals go in 2016, 4, 15, 3, 15, 5. Yeah, that's So if we're going right. based on patterns, I think we're looking at another 15. Yeah. No, I like it. I like the thinking. But, I mean, it's just interesting to see. It's fun to watch. Uh, obviously, our outfield. Besides Lorenzo Kane can all hit for power. Even Jackie Bradley Jr., he's got a power stroke. First base, Hiro and Daniel Vogelbach, they both just hit tanks. That's what they do. Keston Hero yeah. is hitting just monsters. Yeah, he had like three in he two days, something monsters. stupid like that. Uh, Colton Wong. He was like on the sidewalk in the field too. It's like, what the hell? Colton Wong's a guy that just has that surprising power. Um, it just sneaks up on you. I, obviously, his home run totals aren't crazy the most he ever hit in the season was 12 but you know if you can get 10 out of him this year that's huge but also to playing the majority of the games in miller park or i'm sorry amfam field right you know you that number will go up quite a few right plus he's he's like a doubles and triples guy so he does have a power stroke it's just not always in the form of home runs um what do we do luis urias you seem to love his power i really don't see it but 
I'm not saying that he has a crazy amount of power. I'm saying that he has pop. He has like an equivalent to, I think, Orlando Arcia. Okay. I think those guys are very similar, but yet very different at the same time. Okay. I mean, he's only 23, so he's got time to figure it out. Yeah, he's a little baby and then yet. Travis Shaw, obviously the mayor of Ding Dong City. Um, if, if we can get Travis Shaw of old, he's hitting tanks. Oh, yeah, like 2018 Travis Shaw. Yes, please. I, I just want to get in Christian Yelich. I, I hated watching last year and watching what Christian Yelich was doing. Um, he did start to get hot yeah. at certain points, but man, we need that guy to be, we need that guy to be good again. Can I, can I make a prediction here? This is, I really feel this. I think if he doesn't win, he will be in the top three of MVP, MVP talk this year. I think that guy is going to go off. I'm thinking like 40 home runs, just an insane amount, like on base all the damn time, being a pitcher's pain in the ass. Like I can see it happening. And I think he will be, if he doesn't win, a top three MVP candidate for 2021. Mark my words now. It's pretty sure happen. we said that last year too. Well, last year also was a turd in the punch bowl. Okay, so <laughs> Bird in the punch bowl. You never heard no. that? Yeah. Oh. Okay, that's I think on that one. I think, I think we're out of here. Just yeah, <laughs> heard in the punch bowl. <laughs> Anyways, now that the regular season is here on Thursday, next week we'll be releasing another episode, and after that, every single week. Um, I know we said that last time, but I got COVID, so can't hold it against us. You really can't. But make sure you like. Do you like podcasts? What's what is it? You rate it. You give us a five yeah, star. I don't really like it. Subscribe to us. Yeah, I don't know how podcasts. Share it. Um, um, you know, regular seasons here. I feel like that's when we hit our stride. I feel like we have great analysis. Um, we know what we're talking about for the most part. For the most part, I wouldn't say all the time. Not always, but who's right a hundred percent of the time? Nobody. Right. Um. Then go check us out on Twitter. Um, we'll be getting a little bit more active there as well as a regular season comes upon us. Expect some funny tweets, analysis tweets. So funny. Whatever the hell we feel like tweeting out. I think we're pretty funny Olivia's over there. firing off the tweets. They're hilarious. It's like once a week. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we'll start doing game updates. If people want to see that, you know, like us on Twitter. We can give you guys, you know, final score updates, you know, notable players. If that's what people want to see, they don't care if they get that from somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're here to be different. We're here to deliver you all the news that nobody else right. will. Oh, I love that. Love it. Yeah. Anyways, all stay right. safe. Have a good week. Enjoy opening day. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>